on His faithfulness. We stand on His goodness. Because even when we are unfaithful, He remains a faithful tower. We can call on His name. He says they will answer us. It's not about us. It's not about what we do. We lean upon His faithfulness. That we change, we go up, we go down sometimes, but He remains the same. Father, we thank You that You are the everlasting Father, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, Lord. And we thank You for a blessed new year that we have. We look forward with anticipation the great things that You have in store for us. We give You honor and we honor Your presence in this house. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give him, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Wow. Wow. Amen. I tell you nothing better than his presence. Amen. Um, uh, for, for the new year, um, I, I am going to read from the last book, Revelation. So go to your Bibles in Revelations chapter 21. Revelations chapter 21. And really it's about, <laughs> As far back in Revelation as you can go, because it's the second to the last chapter of the Bible. So if you don't know to find your way around the Bible, just go to the back, start flipping the pages, uh, and, and you will find it. Revelation 21. Thank you, Jesus. You found it? All right. Uh, beginning in verse 1, I'm going to read... Um, um, it says, uh, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer sea. And I saw a holy city, the, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. For he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain. For the old order of things have passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Father, thank you for your word. It is trustworthy and it is true. Let your word refresh us today and enable us to propel into a new year and live a life that you have desired for us to live in 2016, Lord. Let us never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, how many made New Year resolutions? <laughs> it's not a trick. I, you know, it's, there's nothing bad. I, I am not proposing for or against anything. I think actually it's good sometimes to give it a try, you know. <laughs> Some of you think, oh boy, what is it? No, it's not a trick. Just uh, relax. Um, <clears throat> I know many people make resolutions, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and a lot of things. In fact, I was just reading, trying to think, what are some of the most, uh, the, the main ones that people make? You know, I'm going to lose weight and get healthy, get fit, eat better, you know, and uh, get out of debt, save money, you know, spend more time with family. Uh, I'm going to be less stressed this year. How many kind of have written some of those things already? You know, and it's good. It's not bad. I'm not against it again. Uh, again. But, you know, they say that very, very few people end up keeping... <laughs> 
to their resolutions. And some people do change. They maybe have a better self-will than the rest of us. But, uh, you know, the, the new year is a gift from God. Every new day is a gift from God. I was smiling this morning. I just got to say this. I'm going to take it. When we were praying and someone started praying in the morning and started praying of just about how precious the day is, how the new, and I thought, wow, how wonderful. Because I was going to talk about that. Every new day is a gift from God. You see, when God created the heavens and the earth, you read the story of the beginning. I went from the end. He said, he created, he set in motion days and nights and seasons and years before he even created us. But he created us for, for, for he created it for us. You see, he created this wonderful planet uh, and, uh, and uh, for us to live in, created all the conditions that are necessary for us to live here. He did it for us. We have a great universe. We don't know even know what all that's out there. But there's no place like planet Earth. Oh, you better say amen. Or maybe I should break it down a little. There's no place like Nebraska. There's no country like the United States. You're getting there. There's no place like planet Earth. God created for us. But you think, God could have created a conducive environment for all life to live without the world turning around without the sun and all the cycles that we have that we call days and nights and, and seasons and months. He could have done it without it. But I believe it's his goodness that he wants to show us. Like what we just sang this morning, that great is your faithfulness, that morning by morning, new mercies. I see, you might have felt yesterday, but today God says, I have new mercies for you. He's teaching us, he's giving us a gift. So that we can be closer and closer to him. Now the passage I read is about the end. It's about the end of times. It's actually, after all has been said and done, God is painting a picture of what he desires for us to be. That he will be, you know, I love it, I can read it again. That he, that, 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 that we, he, he will dwell with us. We will live with him. He will live among us. That he will be we are our God and we will be his people. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no sorrow, no pain. None of the things that we resist, that we frail, that we fear for. We don't even in anticipation sometimes, we don't want pain. We don't want fear. We don't want all those things. We, we, tr- we dread having to go through pain. And God says he will wipe all that away. And then I'm talking about the end times. But I think in this, there is a picture that God is giving us. A glimpse, if you would, of what he desires our lives to be. I think there's something, in fact, I want to, when you talk about God's favor in your life, when you talk about God's, um, this right here is the top of it all. How many would have, would be so happy to go to bed tonight without having anything to worry about. Nothing to be concerned about. Not your children, not your finances, not your health, not your future, not your job, not what's going to happen over our country, what is going to happen over just Nothing to worry about. To have so much peace that I don't even know how to explain it. We, we, don't, we can't co- possibly even imagine how that would be like. Or can we? 
Because think about it, even in your best day ever, there's still always something that lingers. Responsibility. But here, God is saying he's preparing a place for us, and when it's all said and done, the enemy has been defeated, Satan's been locked up, the judgment of God has come, there will be none of the things that we dread, none of the things that are painful in our lives. That, to me, is something worth looking forward to. If for nothing else, I should serve the Lord for that reason. Now, sometimes we, what I've seen is that we paint the picture of heaven and give it very little. And we don't even come close to our imagination of how wonderful that would be. And so people think, hey, I can live this life any way I want. Who cares for heaven? It's just a place where people with robes like the Hollywood movies singing Kumbaya. Now, I think it's going to be a lot more exciting than that. I think it's going to be a lot more intriguing than that. I think we will be absolutely enamored by what God already has prepared. But I believe that even as we look forward to the future that God has in store for those that are with him, God wants to give us a deposit or at least a glimpse of this sweetness in the life that we live now. And I think sometimes we seek the wrong things and God wants us to direct our focus on things that will unlock the favor of God in our lives continually so that we don't just feel good for a moment or a few days. He wants us to, to be able to live in his grace, to live in his joy throughout the whole year and beyond. Amen? Amen. And so I thought, uh, I, I saw a few things that I thought were key here that I want to maybe just walk with you, just a few priorities. Maybe rather than looking, focusing, don't delete your... Your, your resolutions, that's all cool. But let me just give you um, uh, some priorities in 2013 that would help you be able to line your life up to see the favor of God every day of your life. To see the favor of God moving with you, walking with you, and, and, and being able to live a life that's victorious. And you don't have to fear what 2016 will bring because God is always on your side. God is always fighting for you. God is always watching over you. And you can be confident that the Lord is, when God is on your side, that even trials that will, you will face this year, God will be able to turn him around for your good. Amen. And, 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 and I just see glimpses. I don't think that I see all of them. But I want to share just a four thoughts that I, I thought they are priorities that are in the passage that we read. Okay. The first one is we need to have a clear vision. We need to have a clear vision. So John, the revelator here, he sees a vision. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. It all began by what he saw. It all began with his vision. See, he all began by seeing the future. God gave him a glimpse of the future and he looked and he stared and he looked. You see, Jesus said that the eye is the, the eye is the window of the heart. So what you see eventually goes into your heart. And out of your heart comes the wellspring of life. So how do you see your life? When you close your eyes, do you see your past? Do you see, or do you see your future? And if you do see your future, do you filter your future through your experiences? Whether good experiences or bad experiences. 
It doesn't matter. We tend to do that. It's natural to do that. But the Lord is saying, I have something prepared for you that's even greater than what you've ever known or experienced. He says, behold, I am doing a new thing. I am giving you a new beginning. I am giving you a fresh start. I am making all things new. And so oftentimes we tend to reference, when we, look, when we have a future, a vision for the future, we tend to limit our vision to our past experiences and what we know. But I'm telling you, you need to change that from not our experience, not our past. That does not define us, but what God has in store for us. So in Jeremiah, he says, I know the plans that I have concerning you. There are plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Maybe we need to change our vision and begin to see the future that God has for us. As opposed to the future that we define based upon our past experiences. God saying, no, forget that. I want you to see forward. I want to see that I have good plans for you. That verse goes on to say, the plans to give you a hope and a future. Pray to me and I will listen to you. Why not? Maybe this year. Other than having your own plans. Asking the Lord to give you his plan. Because he says, I know the plan that I have concerning you. How, why not get on your knees and ask the Lord for his plan? Because he says, when you pray to me, I will listen to you. When you pray to me, I will listen to you. When you call on me, I will answer you. If he says that, isn't that motivation to get on our knees and pray, to seek his face? He says he will answer us and he will show us that same, the future that he has for us. Secondly, um, um, you need to be immersed in the word, immersed in the word of God. Here's what it says. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, whose voice, whose word, whose message was he getting? It's the word of the Lord. See, just as food is necessary for our bodies and our nourishment, the word of the Lord is absolutely necessary for our spiritual life. For it says in the word that the just shall live by faith. But how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As a pastor, I've talked to people many times about, um, about the Bible. And the Bible is not always an easy book to read, but it is. It isn't always, but it is, it is an easy book to read. <laughs> okay, I'm contradicting my statements, and I know that. Because you can read the Bible sometimes and fall asleep. How many have ever done that? How many have ever read the Bible and think, geez, I have no clue. How many have ever read and think, oh, I'm dread, you know, I know I have to, I know I need to, but nothing makes sense to you. But it's still God's message. It's still God's word. And I tell you what, God wants to reveal his secrets and his truth to us. There is no going around it. If you, if you, go, if you depart from the word, you will live your life on something. It could be the opinions of men. It could be the popular culture. It could be anything out there. You can live your life for something. 
But we need to bet our lives on the Word of God because the Word of God never fails. And God wants to reveal to us His Word. He wants us to understand His words. That's why He gives us His Spirit, so that the Spirit of God can reveal the Word to us. There are times that you will read a scripture and it will not make sense to you, but you're investing in the heavenly things. You're investing in the Word of God and God will bring it to your remembrance at the time that you need it the most and it will be a rhema word to you. It will speak to your spirit and it will give you strength. One of our friends, Pastor Linda Green uh, in in, um, New Orleans, in fact, they'll be here next month, Pastor Michael and Linda, I, I love her theory on it. She says, you need to read the Word. This is how she disciples people to read the Word. Because then you don't understand, you keep reading it and reading it and reading it. Because eventually it will speak to you. Eventually it will speak to you. You invest in this thing. You can never have too much of God's Word. You can have too much food, which we're trying to cut down. Don't cut down on the Word this year. Please don't. Let's cut down on the other ones, but let's feed and what he's given us. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We pray the Lord's prayer and says, give us this day our daily bread. It's not just for, 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 for provision, for the daily needs. It really is about the word of God. We need it to live and breathe. We need it. Because God takes what is written. This is the logos. It's the written word of God. But God uses a rhema word which is a revealed word, but the, uh, which God quickens in our spirit through the Holy Ghost to, uh, to be able to take that which is written and make it applicable to our lives and to our moment. When you feel stuck in your life, when, you are, uh, you, when you're facing a situation where you, you feel like you're stuck in the mud, you don't know what to do, you're, uh, you're indecisive about, or maybe you're supposed to be making a decision that's important. I also wait. If you're unsure, you wait. But one of the best prayers you can pray is ask the Lord in every season, God, what do you want to me to know? What word do you have for me concerning this season? And when God gives you the word, it could be a word that you read. It could be a word that you hear and it inspires you. And you know that God has now taken that Logos word, which is a written word, and he's made it a, um, um, a rhema word, which is a revealed word to you. You can stand on that word through seasons. And even when you feel like you're going to give up, God's word will keep you stronger. I remember um, uh, there's a time uh, my wife and I uh, had taken a step out of faith, out of a job that we, were, we had, and, and God had spoken to us to go out and start a business. And that year, um, um, it, was, um, it was good. It started well, but things got a little bit harder along the way. Uh, the, the trajectory of the income wasn't what we were expecting. And, so, and then you think, oh, well, maybe next month will be better. And you kept going and keep going and keep going. And it went on for months, and it wasn't, you know, and I was in the finance industry, and, and, and the stock market crashed the day, the, 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 the year that I quit my job. <laughs> what are the odds? But I knew the Lord had given me a word. And you know why, how I kept putting the next step forward? is because I knew God has spoken. It doesn't matter if Dow Jones goes to 6,000 points. It doesn't matter. 
I didn't say that I would not go through the trials. Maybe that trial is part of his plan anyway. Because he wants to make me stronger. He wants to build my character. He wants to strengthen my faith. So never be afraid of trials. In fact, says we should count it all joy when we are faced with various temptations. Because the testing of our faith produces pressure. So God, even in the trial, God is working his way. He walks even when we don't see it. And I remember that, that just what, what kept us going is because we knew that God had given us a word. The circumstances around us sometimes made you doubt and think, and I was getting job offers. I get recruiters calling me. Now talk about temptation. And we'll look at each other. Should we go and we pray? It's like, no, God said. And eventually God will come through for us and he will reverse all the things that had been taken from us and God is good. And he was faithful. But what keeps us through the season, what kept us through the season, is standing on God's word. Now, he, John, had the voice. Don't think that John did not have a choice to listen. Don't think that John did not have a choice to do as the word was. God never violates uh, uh, the will that he gave us. He created us in his own image. But he gives us a will. He says, I had a loud voice coming from the throne. and And you know what? He listened. He had a choice. He could have backed off. He could have listened to all this. He could have never given us even the revelation. But guess what? He stuck with it. Even though it freaked him out at first. How many think if you had a revelation like that, it would... You, we think it was great. You, we think these people are superhumans. They were not. They were just human beings like us. And God shows him something that is beyond what he could even articulate with words. And yet... He chooses to stand on his word and to walk on his word. If you have not, if you're not regularly eating off of this, you're missing out on a lot. If you're not regularly feeding off of the diet, you're compromising your life. You're living well beneath what God has for you. There are things that God has. There are things that God has. He says, I know the plans I have for you that are designed for you specifically. And you can fellowship in the church. You can walk with other believers. But that, your destiny, nobody holds your destiny but you. The thing specifically that God has for you, you have to contend, you have to go for it. You have to know the word for yourself. You have to lay the foundations for yourself. And here we come to encourage. We come to, 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 to build each other up as iron sharpens iron. As we, we come and worship God in unity. But that walk is your walk. When we stand before him, we're going to stand individually. But also, the blessings that he has for you, you have to contend for them yourself. And you better get yourself this year in the word of God. Get yourself in the word of God. Uh, If you're new in learning, I would say, start reading the Gospels. Okay, give me some practical tools. Don't go with Numbers or (laughs) Leviticus. Don't do Leviticus yet if you're starting. Just don't. <laughs> Here's what I suggest. <clears throat> if you, you're just starting out in the Word, start, read the book, the Gospel. Read, read John. Read the other four Gospels. Then go on to the book of Acts. And then read the, start, if it's getting exciting, read the, read the New Testament. When you go to the Old Testament, read the first five books. They are easy to read because the stories, there are some remarkable stories there. And ask God every time 
to reveal to you what he has for you. Just pray every time you ask. Because there's an exchange that goes there and God will hear. He says, when you call on me, I will answer you. And you show you things. And that's exciting. Then what I, one, of the trick, one of the first times I ever read the Bible through, here's what I did. After that, I'd say in the Old Testament, start looking for books that have a person's name on the title. Ruth, Esther, Job. And read Job a lot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and then it gets more interesting. Then you could come back and start reading some things like Leviticus. And, and, and a lot of things will start making sense. So you don't have to read it chronologically uh, the way it's designed. In fact, it's not chronological. The Bible is not. So anyway, anybody got anything out of it? Use it if you, it's for free. It was bonus. It was, uh, so anyway, you can use it if not. But I think it will help you be able to increase a hunger for your word. I remember as a young man in Kenya growing up, and when I first came to the Lord, and um, as a a teenager, I just got really hungry for for, for the word. And I was reading. And uh, and you know, as you get in the word and in prayer, God increases your capacity for it. And it gets so exciting. And sometimes I'd read and read and read and, uh, and pray and find, wow, I read all day. I just finished three, three books of the Bible, you know. And, and, and I did not realize that I, at that time I had time in my life, way more time than I thought I did, that I was investing for my future. Because there would come a time in my life that I did not have that much time to devote towards reading. But what had been deposited in me will come to life when I needed it the most. Amen? The third thing that I see in this passage that we read is that, and perhaps probably one of the hardest ones for us to do, it says that we need, we need to leave the past behind. Say that with me. Leave the past behind. It says, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The last verse down there talks about how he who seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, oh, well, actually, verse 4. Oh, shoot, I can't find it. But anyway, the order, the old order of things have passed away. Now, here's the thing about God. He is the creator. He never stopped creating. He can create anything. He makes things new. Our salvation. He says when we come to Christ, he who comes to Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away, and all things have become new. I am doing a brand new thing in you. And see, you see, 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 God wants to do a new thing in us. But sometimes when we go into the future and we have a vision, we, our past has a way of infringing or into our now and infiltrate and corrupts our future if we let it. Sins that we've committed, regrets that we have in life, things that we would rather not go there, but we still go there anyway. And oftentimes we are the hardest on ourselves. We accept God's forgiveness, so we say. But we don't forgive ourselves. We don't let go. See, God says that if we confess our sins, 
that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says, just as the heavens are above the earth, so, so are his ways above our ways, and as the east is from the west, so has he forgiven us all of our sins. He says that he takes all of our sins and he throws them into a sea of forgetfulness. Do you think for a minute God, the omniscient ones, forgets? He's omniscient, all-knowing. He chooses to forget. He makes a deliberate choice that, hey, we dealt with that matter, and it, as far as I'm concerned, it never really happened. So if God takes it and throws it away into the sea of forgetfulness, why do we still hang on to it? If you do not take up this matter, it will cripple you and he will cause you not, you will be crippled and you will be unable to fulfill the destiny that God has for you. If God has forgiven you, if God has healed you, if God has accomplished it, if it's in the past, we need to leave it where it belongs and that is in the past. And press forward to the front because God is doing again. He's doing a new thing. He's a God of new beginnings. Here's what Paul said in Philippians 3:12. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting all the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Maybe 2015 was not such a great year for you. Maybe 2015 you would rather look away than look away. You're waiting for something profound? No. Look away. Habits that you wanted to break. Forgiveness, sins, memories, even hurt feelings. Why not leave that in the past as well? It is healthy to let go. Here's why, why it will cripple you. Because you do have an accuser. You have, if you're a believer, you have an accuser. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. You get all fired up. You want to do right. You want to do things. You want to do mighty things for God. And you say, oh, well, have you looked at your life now? How many have had those uh, voices in prayer? Okay. You're afraid to raise your hands. I have. But do you know, if you let the enemy, if you don't see that it is the enemy... It will cripple you and you will be ineffective and you'll never do anything for God. Because, because the truth is, none of us are qualified to do anything for him. It's by his grace and the blood of Jesus Christ that we can move forward. What's the difference? The difference is dependence on my achievement, my ability, as opposed to transferring that and having depending on God's grace. And trusting <laughs> on his faithfulness. 
and trusting on his word, that, that what he has said, he will do. What he's promised is yes and amen to those who believe in him. Amen? And lastly, the other thing I see is that we need to contend for the presence of the Lord. We need to contend for it. We need to look for it. He says, look, God's dwelling place is among the people. And he will dwell with them. And I'm talking about the future, but it's talking about now as well. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. There are many distractions. There are many things that we will want to spend our time in. But I tell you, nothing is better than the presence of the Lord Almighty, which he wants to deposit in, in, in us. One of the most fascinating stories that I love very much so in the Bible is the story of David. Um, in Acts chapter 13, uh, his, uh, the uh, passage is quoted, quoting back um, uh, uh, David. He says, but God removed Saul, the king Saul, and replaced him with David, a man about, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. In other words, he will fulfill my purpose. He will fulfill the plans. You remember when I said earlier, I know the plans I have for you. There are plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future. And I hope he says, this man who I have found. The thing that's special about this man is that he's a man after my own heart. And this kind of person will fulfill the plans that I have. He will fulfill everything that I have for him. I love this. Uh, because it's referencing the story of David in 1 Samuel 16. The story goes this way. I'm going to try to say it quick. Jesse um, has several sons that were strong and mighty. And he has this one son, and the prophet Samuel, is uh, God wants him to anoint the next king of Israel. And Samuel goes to Jesse's house. And he looks, he asks Jesse to get all his sons. And, he bring, and they bring all the sons to him, bring seven. And Samuel begins to pray and ask the Lord, who should I anoint? And the Jesus, uh, David's oldest brother shows up. And the Bible says that he was good looking, he was strong, he was a mighty warrior. And he looked like he fit the bit. Like this is a guy, he checked, checked everything that we will put, he checked everything. And someone was about to, to anoint him, and the Lord says, no, he's not the one. And he keeps going down the line to all the brothers, and he goes, wow, I, I'm a little surprised here. Do you have any other sons? And, oh, hey, hey, we do have a little guy back. He's tending the sheep. David, there's a shepherd. Nobody thought of him, of anything. And immediately... The man of God connects and he says, this is the guy. This is him. And that's why the scripture says the man look at the outward appearance, but God judges the heart. You see, and he gets anointed. What was the qualification of David? David was a worshiper. When he went out with his banjo <laughs> or whatever he did or his guitar, watching over the sheep, David was worshiping God. He was singing songs to the Lord. He was a man of worship. He was a man who knew how to worship God because worship is what connects you with the presence of God. 
There's a heavenly transmission that goes on. When we worship the Lord, the Bible says that He dwells in the midst of the praises of His people. And that the Lord is seeking the earth. He's seeking for those that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And He was a man of worship. He did not have any qualifications in humanly terms. He did not fit the bit. Even His Father forgot that He was there. But yet God knew Him. Why did God know him? Because he knew God's hurt. And he says, this I have found a man, David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do everything that I've commanded him to do. He will fulfill all of my wills. The connection was that this guy was a worshiper. And the worship that he gave to the Lord in secret place, the guy that worshiped the Lord all the time, the guy that was drawn to worship, was so filled with the presence of God in his life that God knew him. Sometimes we try too hard. Sometimes we try too hard. And we miss on the thing that matters the most. And that is the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, you are changed. The Bible says that there is fullness of joy. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Everything that we need is in the presence of God. You need healing, there is in the presence of God. You need deliverance, it's in the presence of God. You need salvation. Get in God's presence, because only a touch from the Master's hand can transform your life forever. And so the thing that we need to look for the most is content for His presence. If we get everything else wrong, let's at least be able to be in His presence when we see Him face to face and value His presence. God speaks of David and David would become a mighty warrior. He would become the one of the greatest kings of Israel. In fact, God will use David and the lineage of David to even bring Jesus into the world. He will use David. And you think David was a perfect man? Absolutely not. He made horrible mistakes in his life. He sinned a big time in his life. But even in his sinning, yes, he suffered consequences of his sin, but God still redeemed him. Psalm 51 is a beautiful prayer of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, repentance. When David had really messed up, he messed up so bad, I, I can't even begin to say it. Maybe we've never, but yet when he saw, he was able to cry to the Lord. And you know in his prayer, he says, God, do not take your spirit from me. He attested of the spirit of God. He says, you take everything away from me, Lord, but don't take your spirit from me. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He valued the presence of God. And God will restore his life. He'll make his life. And God will bless him. And he will fulfill God's promises in his life. This year is a year that we don't know what holds tomorrow holds. We don't. I'm not going to stand here and tell you I know what 2016 is. It's a year of elections. We have all these terrorist threats everywhere. Family, who knows what's going on in the family. But one thing we do know, if we are with God, if He is for us, nothing can go against us. We can be, we are the people of God and we need to contend for His presence. Our lives will never be the same when we are touched by His presence. Amen? So, Vision. Not our vision, but His. What He wants for us. Asking God for the plan that He has. Being in the Word of God. Getting God to speak to you. Leaving the past behind. And lastly, contending for His presence. You keep those priorities in your life this year, your life will never be the same. I'd like to hear a testimony from you in December. Because I know 
God will be doing some great things in your life if you make these priorities in your life. All the other things that we need and desire, they will all fall into place. They will all fall into place because God knows what we need even before we ask it. Amen? Did you receive the word of the Lord? Amen? All right, praise the Lord. Come on, let's stand up together. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for 2016. And I know we will spend some more time of prayer for the year. Again, make it a priority for those nights of prayer and fasting. I know this year, being even an election year, we're going to pray for the nation a lot. Oh, come on. 